is brought to you by the Arc from Verve. If you want to improve your posture, the Arc has you covered. Developed by a physical therapist, designed by an engineer, made in the USA, the Arc is going to improve your posture and relieve that neck and back pain once and for all. What is up, guys? Welcome to the brand new Strength Doc podcast hosted by UpDoc Media with me, Dr. John Russin. I want to get one thing clear. This is not going to be your average fitness podcast, and I'm sure as hell not your run-of-the-mill strength coach. Hey guys, welcome back to the brand new Strength Doc podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. I'm Dr. John Russin. Today, I am joined by Dr. Perry Nicholson. Perry is one of the leading movement specialists in the industry and somebody who really has a great appreciation for human movement optimization. Let's get right into this episode with my guest, Dr. Perry Nicholson. Hey guys, Dr. John Russin back with the brand new episode of the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today I am joined by Dr. Perry Nicholson. What's going on, Perry? Great to have you here. Oh, thanks, Doc. It's really an honor and a pleasure for me to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I mean, we were just talking a couple minutes ago off air, and we were saying we're living these parallel lives in the fitness and the rehab communities these last couple of years. And finally, you know, we're getting on, getting on podcasts. Uh, we got a lot cranking here, so I'm excited to get going. Yeah, me too, man. It's like an alternate parallel universe or something. And what's even more cool is that I'm going to be on your show. We're going to hang up, then I'm going to interview you for my show. So people are going to get some, yeah, the full dose of us, both sides. <laughs> you know, I haven't done one of the dual podcasts before, but I have a second one scheduled with another chiropractor who is uh, sitting along the lines of a sports performance physical therapist as well in a couple of weeks with Ryan DeBell from The Movement Fix. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, it's Ryan. something about the, the chiropractic thing that brings out the dual-natured podcast, I think. Yeah, very cool. Because I think you were on his show, right? Or you just I'm going to be something? on his yeah. show. Uh, he's currently on our programming. He's on our functional hypertrophy training programming. So he's always like writing about it, kind of bitching and complaining about how hard the sets are and that kind of stuff. So you've probably seen that come through the last couple of weeks on social media. Yeah, Ryan and I are friends. You know, he, he came to one of my primal movement chains workshops and uh, yeah, we followed each other's work. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy to see how well he's doing. Man, I'm I'm intrigued by your workshops because I get excited watching some of the video, some of the excerpts that are coming from your in-person workshops. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the focus there and how it grew over the last couple of years. Sure, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I've mean, just started to get more content out there since I, you know, I've uh, the workshops have pretty much taken off over the last uh, two years, and then uh, the launch of my brand new website. But it's an interesting story. You know, I, I've spent the last twenty years trying to figure out the why of stuff, right? I mean, why people get pain, why why things keep coming back. Like if somebody has a mobility problem, right? If something gets stuck and you unstuck it, that's my technical term, right? You, <laughs> it, it, why does it always keep coming back? So, you know. It was not just getting so caught up in the how and, and the what. I mean, I teach people the way that I think works best, but really the why of that. And then <clears throat> I just started to put it together. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I wasn't sure if anybody was actually going to show up to my workshops when I started to do them. So I launched them very slowly. Like I said, you know what? Let me put like a one day workshop and see if anybody wants to show up. Because just because they follow your work online doesn't mean they're actually going to show up and see you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I was just blown away by how um, how it resonated with people. But I also wanted to say, okay, 
how can I perfect the message? How can I make it a little bit better, a little bit different to help people understand? And I learned a lot by teaching it from feedback to people who have been through the workshop and things that they, they got or didn't get. Because some can look really great in your head, right, or on paper. But when you stand up and you try to relay that to another person through teaching, it can be very different. I think uh, it's super hard uh, in the field that we're in where we deal with pain and dysfunction. Yeah, sure, you could write an article about it. You could even shoot a video about it. But everyone is so individualistic in mm -hmm. nature, in their physical capacity, that you almost have to be in a work top uh, shop type environment to get any notable gains from what you're saying because everything else is really theory-based. I agree 100%. You know, I mean, yeah, you got to learn stuff, right? You got to go to school and learn the principles. But you got also, I use this quote a lot, you got to get in the arena and you just got to bleed, man. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, you can study how to throw a punch and take a punch, but until you deliver one or receive one, it ain't the same. And that's the same with, uh, you know, working with a pain field because it's kind of like a battlefield where you're trying to help many different people. But I quickly realized that it needed to be a two-day workshop because I just had so much that I wanted to say. So then I changed it into a two-day workshop of primal movement chains and and the title pretty much kind of speaks for itself uh, you know primal just means basic fundamental kind of going back to primal movements fundamental movements but also i'm really big into the brain and neuroscience so i, I tap into why we move based on a primal aspect of uh, what we are as human beings and then movement i mean movement is movement right but just to get people to move better uh, move more safely. And then uh, chains. Chains, what that is, two different reasons I put chains in there. One is chains of fascia or connective tissue of the body, chains of how muscles pattern together, but also you're only as strong as the weakest link in your chain. So I show people how to find that weak link and uh, put it back together, basically. And then that two-day workshop ended up becoming the premise for my upcoming book that's coming out in uh, February 2017 from Victory Belt Publishing. So these guys, I sent them my shit and they're like, hey, this looks kind of cool. I'm like, I know it is kind of cool, right? And then they gave thumbs up. So, you know, it just, it started with a passion of just trying to figure out why and wanting to share it with other people. And I'm happy to see that it's kind of resonated with others. That's exciting because I know a lot of the things that you do are along the lines of an evaluation and an assessment, then the remediation with your movement base or your corrective exercise, that kind of stuff. Is that something that you're going to talk about in the book as well, an evaluation uh, type process to get more individual in nature for your treatments? Uh, somewhat, yeah. I mean, so I put people through some basic you know, fundamental patterns to kind of see where you are. But my work's pretty simple. Like, if you ha if you pick up my book because you're in pain, I already know you have some of the problems that I'm going to be talking about. So I mean, the evaluation really doesn't need to go any further than you're hurt, so your body's trying to tell you something. <laughs> and then it's the same thing with like a performance. So you don't have to be in pain to pick up this book. It's called Stop Chasing Pain, but it's not just physical pain. It's also emotional pain for people that maybe can't break through a training barrier or a training plateau. So it, it's pain is not just physical. So I tie the two in together. But uh, the whole premise of my workshop is that there's many different ways that you can treat pain and everything works for somebody. That's the dirty little secret, right? And everybody is unique um, in, in how they move because of their whole life history. 
But that's why this this program is so powerful, in my opinion, because I take you right back to where we all started to move initially uh, before we actually began to really develop our personalities or our habits or things that we equate with. Hey, I'm a baseball guy. Do you have a program for, for baseball people? I'm a <laughs> runner. Do you have something for runners? So, you know, that's that's specific type movement patterns. I'm going back to basic fundamental movement patterns. And if I can help you get those, it carries over to no matter what you are today, no matter if you're in pain, no matter what you do for your sport, no matter what you do for your career, whether you're overweight, how much money you make, all those things, it doesn't really matter. So that's why every single person can benefit from the program and do it safely because there are really regressed patterns that are not all uh, show and no go, uh, you know, from Eric Cressy who says that. Um, it, it, so it, it can be used across the board, but but I, honestly, I'm pretty straightforward that if, if you have pain, uh, a musculoskeletal pain, if you have a performance issue where you can't go harder, faster, stronger, longer, you just don't know why, what I'm going to show you in this book will be a fundamental piece of helping you put that back together in some way, shape, or form. Man, uh, you're getting me excited here, but anytime somebody talks about the developmental sequence, I always go back to like a flashback of me sitting in second year DPT school mm. in neuromuscular rehabilitation. And I remember just sitting there like looking at all my buddies, like the sports guys, and we're like, why the fuck are we learning this stuff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we right. get, you know, like two, three semesters in and, you know, we're all training. Our numbers are going up. We're kind of practicing this stuff in lab uh, sessions and all of that. And we're like, whoa, there's something to that. You know, take it a year later with uh, getting more in depth with Gray Cook's work. Mm -hmm. And it's night and day. I was like, man, I wish I would have paid attention more in that first semester. You know, I could have been setting myself up for greater success and I didn't have to go and get a continuing education instead. But uh, I think there is power to the developmental sequence. You know, it's something that I even prioritize in some of my hypertrophy and strength based uh, programming where the fundamental movement patterns, you know, the big six that I say are the squat, the lunge, the hip hinge, the upper body push and pull, and some sort of braced loaded carry. You know, if you're not doing all six of those to some progression or regression, then you're you're having a missing link in your programming just from being a human being in my in my opinion. Oh, I agree hundred percent. You know, I mean that's just you know that's the rookie kind of stuff that we do in the beginning, right? We're like, hey man, can you show me all that flashy shit, right? And then, <laughs> then, then when you get out and you're on the battlefield long enough and you realize that, you know, true champions understand it, those are the fundamentals. It's the basics that you have to go back to because all the other things are built off of that. And, it, you know, what's a great quote I came across a while ago, it says, I mean, you can't learn to walk until you learn to move first, mm -hmm. which means that you know, we take walking for granted, but you know what? Walking is the most complicated freaking movement pattern on the planet Earth. It, only human beings can do it. And I'm not saying that there's one better than the other because you walk the way you need to. But in, in order to walk better or move better, you go back to how you learn to move in the first place. So there's people that have been out there for quite a long time that I've actually learned from that I give props to because one of the biggest things when I teach is to show respect to people that have helped me get to where I am. And, you know, Gray Cook and all those guys with the functional movement screen are just my my peeps and my boys, and I do that. But, you know, you've got people that I've studied with out there. Some people listening may have heard of, you know, the DNS, the Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization guys, the Mache Feldenkrais people, Original Strength, all those guys. So they're all trying to deliver the same message, but they're bringing their own unique 
perspective to it because nobody has a patent or a trademark on how to freaking crawl a roll. <laughs> it's just it's a God given freaking right to be able to get down on the ground and then begin to move. And I happen to believe that, you know, we need to give the human body more credit than we do. You know, we talk about what a miracle it is, but for some reason we also become fearful of we don't trust ourselves with our own health or movement because people just overcomplicate the shit out of everything. And I'm like, dude, man, it's movement. You don't need a PhD to move. It's, you know, and the, it's not rocket surgery is the joke that I say. So <laughs> just because somebody's not wearing a white coat doesn't mean you can't get out there because you know your body better than anybody. Don't be afraid of it. And I happen to think that whatever you believe in in the universe, whether it be Mother Nature or, or God or whatever kind of entity there is, there's probably a good reason why you didn't pop out of your mom running. <laughs> you, you had to roll and earn. These movement patterns were given to you for a reason. So if you go back and visit them again, you can actually reprime that, right? It's like the way I look at it is this. I mean, you may be the best, best free throw uh, a free throw shooter um, on the court, right? But if you don't throw and do that for a while, you lose your edge, you lose your pattern, you lose the groove. Well, the same shit happens for these primal patterns. I mean, when's the last time most people been down on the ground to actually do like a roll or a crawl? I joke when I teach, I say, probably the last time is when you were down there throwing up after a rough <laughs> night out, or you were thrown down there, you know, without any choice of your own. But going back to where you started to build yourself up is really the premise of, of my program. And it seems simple, but you know better than anybody, when you watch people do this stuff, they kicks their ass three weeks from Sunday. They're tanked. I mean, it's hard. to You got to control your own body against gravity and against the ground. And it seems simple, but it's not. But here's the kicker. Dan John, who I've learned from a lot and I teach from, says people don't realize how difficult it is to make something simple. <laughs> so it seems like it's simple, but there's a lot of thought that went into it. Uh, and then it just carries over to everything, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the most powerful things that I do on a daily basis with my clientele and my patient load is put them into challenging positions. And I hate to say corrective exercise, but you know what I mean, like a yeah, therapeutic exercise session, you know, something where we're rebuilding movement patterns and they get into these positions and their heart rate starts elevating. They start sweating, you know, the blood pressure is going up and you can just see the central nervous system just like firing at all costs you know mm -hmm. and they're like oh my god i can't believe uh you know that i got that kind of training effect from this minimally uh you know so-called challenging movement and they sit there and they get through 25 or 30 minutes of it and it's like whoo i'm fried to the point where you know that may be the training session for the day and we do that every day in the office and and people don't necessarily buy into the program until they're physically in there feeling internally what they need to do to be successful in a movement um mm -hmm. <laughs> you know the the naysayers to many of these things are ones that have never experienced you know that kind of internally based tension that kind of coordination between the kinetic chains uh you know multiple like you say and uh i think many meatheads are thrown into the game because of one mm -hmm. thing only 
it's they have kids around you know 25 to 35 and they see the kids in this developmental sequence and they're like maybe there is something to this <laughs> like they're forced to yeah. look at it every single day and then i think it almost opens up uh, people's eyes to it i hear that all the time with some of our clients and then uh some of the patients that we have too they're like oh yeah i saw my son my six-month-old son do this yesterday i'm like yeah can you do can you do that anymore uh-uh we better work on it Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really uh, amazing. And, you know, it's a few things with that. You just said, you know, we talk about variability a lot in movement, right? Like you need to make movement patterns and training programs variable so your body doesn't adapt and then it just doesn't change anymore. Right. I mean, so going back to these patterns, I mean, these are awesome. I mean, talk about variability, right? And, and especially when you talk uh, with the body is all connected, that nothing moves individually, right? So you can't just isolate one muscle. Well, too, when you get down on the ground and you move like that, I mean, you move everything from your pinky to your toe. I mean, it, it all sequences together. And, you know, one thing, and I'll go back to Dan John a lot. He says this, he says, if I can pick one movement that I'm going to make the biggest change in your body, within a period of three weeks, it's to do farmer walks. It's to carry heavy shit. And he said, the reason that that makes a big difference is for you is because you don't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's something that you don't usually do. Yeah. And that's the same thing with these patterns. I mean, people haven't visited that in a while to do that. And, and here's the thing that I love about it. It doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, you can go back down to the ground and begin to move, and it's a safe place to begin to move. So if you work with somebody in pain, a lot of times they're scared to move, right? Or if you have somebody who's uh, elderly that's up and then can't get into some maybe traditional training and movement patterns, you get them back down in there. But I've never, ever met anyone that I've worked with when I get down to the – because I go down to the ground with them, right? Uh, and a, a beautiful thing happens. One, they begin to move. But when they start to let themselves go and, and get out of the uh, really, I mean, like, are we really down on the ground? I feel ridiculous <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, when people get out of their own way, uh, they smile. Never seen one that did not smile. And that's the first biggest step to changing how you move. Because when you change how you feel about yourself, you change how you move. And if you change how you move, you can change your life. And changing how you feel about yourself also changes the level of pain that you're in. That's oh, how, that's no how I look at it. No doubt. And it's almost like people can take off the parking brake that's been on for decades sometimes. And just like the phys physical, emotional release of that, it's a powerful thing. And, uh, you know, it goes mind, body, soul, like you're saying. Uh, everything is all inclusive. You know, we just published an article on my website today that was more looking into the imagery and the positive self-talk of physical capacities and how powerful it can be, especially if you're having dysfunction or you're at an elite level where you just need to change something up in your programming just to get through to that next level. And sometimes it's not about the physical capacities. It's about improving the physical capacities from mental or emotion. Oh, yeah, big time. That's a huge part of my workshops um, that I put together for helping people get out of pain. Because right now, I mean, you look at the research, they tell you pain's in the brain anyway, right? I mean, like right. It's, it's all from the brain. Um, but it's also the barrier to getting stronger because the, the one thing that I've, you know, what's in the, what's in the mind is in the body. So it, it carries over. But 
when people, I think it's maybe inherent in the culture of today, but it might also just be inherent for human beings because we always want to try to improve, I think, innately. But in, when we do that, it seems we go full force and we go harder. We put more effort into trying to get to a different point. Effort, maybe, quote unquote, work, right? Right. But what I tell people is it's, it's more about being efficient than just doing effort. Because if you're more efficient, here's the kicker, you don't need as much effort to accomplish the goal. And if you're trying to get stronger in something, it's actually not about putting more effort into the strength. It's about putting more efficiency into either one, the skill that you're trying to do, or your your movement patterns in relationship to gaining that because when you become more efficient you automatically become stronger without trying to get stronger well isn't that the definition of athleticism is just the smooth coordination and synergistic effect of the entire chain working as one and it produces greater results yeah exactly well here's the rub i mean if you work with people out there even professional athletes elite athletes they have a hard time tying in things uh, synergistically. Some of them make things look easy, but you know when you put them into some of these basic uh, patterns that I'm looking to see if they can do, people have a hard time um, feeling how things connect or what I call you put in that, that zone state or what I call flow. It just yep. feels like effortless flow and especially on two feet because we're just so segmented, just tying in the foot all the way up to the shoulder, particularly in rotation, which is the biggest thing I talk about the transverse plane. But you can begin to get that and feel how everything is interconnected when you go back down to the to the ground. And plus, the beautiful thing is, I mean, it gives you a sweet-ass-looking body at the same time. Like, <laughs> you know, good core, abs, how everything moves uh, into one. For people, and, and here's what I gotta say about some of the naysayers. Like, you know, everything works for somebody. Everything's got its place, but you and I know the idea behind these primal patterns on the ground is to not keep you on the ground. <laughs> like, they're designed to build you to stand up and be hellaciously strong. So, primal patterns to me are the ones that I actually learned from Paul Check, and it's very similar to the ones that you say. I mean, I get you on the ground because I want to get you up to be a hashtag beast mode badass. <laughs> when you push, pull, twist, lunge, squat, those are all primal movement patterns. Primal meaning if you don't do it, you're dead, right? I mean, it's basic human survival of what we all need to do in order to function. It's easier now to not be dead if you don't do those things because you can just drive somewhere and just order fast food, right? But when you're on the tundra and some things bigger than you are trying to eat you or you have to go after something to eat, that's what I mean by those patterns. And if you couldn't do those efficiently, well, then you're just dead. But the body and the brain has changed very little since the time we were running around trying to look for something to eat as opposed to now where we can sit and just push something with our finger on the phone and have it sent right to us without doing anything else. But physiology and the mind hasn't changed at all since then. 
Well, I think a lot of the people that don't buy into the quote unquote corrective exercises or primal movement patterns, like you're saying, they don't get that we're not just all functional training gurus and this is all we do for physical training. I, I have my own quote. I'm going to quote myself here, which is really egotistical of me, but every single time I use a corrective exercise with a patient or a client, I say the only reason that we're going to master this corrective exercise is so you never have to fucking do it ever again. <laughs> like it's just going to be progressed from there. And then, you know, if shit falls apart a couple of years later, we can go back down to it. But our goal is to get up on two feet and be as functional as possible, as strong as possible, but just earning your way up that progression train yeah it's perfect well you know and i great cook he, he, you we we uh all follow and and know of a brilliant physical therapist that you know i've learned from and he has said the idea behind corrective exercise is not to need corrective exercise so <laughs> right. yeah. if, if you get the right one that you need the body tells you pretty quick quick fast in a hurry whether it likes it it's like some shit yeah if you're not progressing and getting any better either one the person's not doing what you're having them do and they're lying to you or two, you're giving them the wrong thing to do, right? Or three, sometimes stuff is just broken, right? I mean, like sometimes people can't get beyond a certain point or they have some permanent disability. It doesn't mean that you can't, can't maintain yourself and you might have to do some form of correctives. But I, I, am a, I personally don't believe that you need to be spending 20, 30 minutes in a corner doing corrective exercise movements before, during, and after you train. Um, I, I think that if you can help somebody begin to move just overall better and entrust themselves, because I hate that word corrective because it makes it sound like you're doing something wrong. Right. Uh, you're doing what you need to do for you in order to function. So when I say to people, I mean, is that pattern dysfunctional? And I say, for them, it's not because it's how they function. So it's actually functional dysfunction, right? I mean, like, we we try to go in and put people under this guise of it's supposed to be done this way. But there's no such thing as perfect movement. It doesn't exist. But there's always better movement for people uh, to do. So I, I think that when we go in and we try to do correctives on someone, people already are kind of um, – intimidated by movement or maybe scared to move or to trust in how they move and we're so programmed into thinking the worst of ourselves sometimes or that we're not doing something right so one of the things that I tell people when I teach movement assessment is one you got to look at a lot of movement but never ever ever start to break down what they're doing quote unquote wrong uh, start with three things and I got this from Thomas Myers from the anatomy chain start with three things that they're doing well that they're doing right, right? And, and then work up from there and then get the positive first. And you gotta watch how you communicate with, with people. Like I, I, I was at one of my workshops and uh, somebody asked a question in the audience. And one of my favorite things to do when somebody asks a question in the audience, what I usually do is I say, okay, audience, how would you answer that question? <laughs> and then I wanna see what they say. Right. Because I can only tell you what I already know when I'm standing up there and I want to learn as well. And somebody asked a question. I'm going to see if I remember right because it was a while ago. Like how can you communicate with somebody when you say, you know, they've got a strong side or a bad side. Right. Like that's your bad side. That's your strong side. So if you think about that, right, you're already drilling in that person that they got something wrong with that side. And, and that's going to be a mental brain block to them getting through it. 
And one of the guys in the audience said he learned this thing from Pavel, who um, who was uh, RKC, right? And then the strong first. Mm-hmm. And Pavel always says that this is your this is your strong strong side, and this is your stronger side. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking brilliant, is what that is. And I've used it ever since then when I tell people that because you're already strong, man. This one's just stronger. So let's try to even those two out. Those are so powerful when you try to communicate with somebody from a corrective exercise point. And it ties back into what you just mentioned before about the mental aspect, right? I mean, that right there, you you may think to yourself, why is this person not getting any better? And I say, why don't you step back and just observe or record yourself or have somebody watch you and then see how you communicate with people or you talk with people. That's one of the biggest things that can help you be better at what you love to do is to put the microscope on yourself, not the people that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, communication is huge and the way, especially when you're dealing with pain and dysfunction, uh, the way that you communicate as a coach or a practitioner is very important because I think one of the roadblocks uh, between working between a multidisciplinary practice with strength coaches, personal trainers, rehab specialists is that uh, the ignorant strength coach or personal trainer will think that, you know, a movement assessment or an orthopedic evaluation or neuromuscular evaluation is meant to tell the person that they are dysfunctional and they are broken and you must fix them by doing X, Y, and Z with me. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's old school. We don't do that. You know, the best practitioners in the world, just like you said, we figure out a way to work towards strengths and strengthen up the side that's not as strong as the other side or whatever. You know, it's um, it's empowering to know that people are self-sufficient when they're put in the right direction with their movement. And that's that's something that I try to teach all the time. If I can't teach my patient a skill that is going to help them be self-sufficient for a lifetime, then it's not worth teaching in my practice. You know, there's obviously extreme cases where you need to get somebody out of pain quickly if they're, you know, a nine out of 10 perceived pain scale or something like that. But most of the time, it's not about a quick fix. It's mm-hmm. not about, uh, you know, alleviating pain for 15 or 20 minutes. It's about creating long-term progressions of movement and having something sustainability for the long-term. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree. That's one of the things that brought me into the world of movement. Um, years ago and why I created the Stop Chasing Pain you know, mission of mine. Because I, when I was sitting in my office, you know, really struggling with um, what I was doing, like I just, I really stopped just enjoying what, what I was doing, uh, honestly. And I'm like, there's got to be more here because I, I just was, I'm treating pain, right? And we should treat pain. Don't get me wrong. But I was looking for for more than that. You know, pain's just t- pain's only telling you there is a problem. It doesn't tell you jack shit about what what it is. If right. it was only that easy, right? <laughs> um, and, and then I realized, well, what's 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 this ingredient that every single person here that's coming into my office? What's the one thing that that they have in common? And I sat down and I'm like, ah, I got it. You know, they're on my table. I'm doing some really cool shit to them, right? And and, and uh, rubbing stuff, uh, you know, and then adjusting stuff, and all these lasers and ultrasound and muscle stem, and then. But I realized they stand up and they they move, so movement was it. So yeah. if, if I can tap into that, 
you know, and ha- and and change their approach to moving or look and see how they're moving now. Um, and that's where my journey began of my favorite quote from Ida Roth. I use it all the time. Where you think it is, it ain't. Right. So I, I I just go by. Ah, my knee hurts. Hey, that ain't it. You know, it's it's somewhere else. So you treat the knee. Yeah, I mean we do that. But here's the way I look at it. If if you treat the knee four or five, six times and the knee's still screaming at you. Either you got a broken knee and you miss something <laughs> or you got to go look somewhere else where it doesn't hurt. And that's, to me, that's just basic freaking logical common sense. But It seems that way, but I mean, our medical model does not treat uh, pain and dysfunction like that. They just don't. It's a reactionary model that we zero in on where it hurts and movement is just thrown to the wayside. Yeah, well, I mean, I always tell people, listen, if you have macro trauma, like if if you uh, fall on your knee, well, it's pretty straightforward, right? Or, or you somebody hits you and you get hurt. I mean, because shit just happens. That's a life, right? Um, but but if your knee just starts to hurt out of nowhere, hey, it's not the knee. You, know, <laughs> you got to look somewhere else. You know? But I'm also going to tie it back to the other thing. I'm like, okay, well, why the hell did you fall in the first place? Like maybe you've got some uh, movement efficiency problem and that if you could fix that, maybe you wouldn't fall or you wouldn't have as much impact when you went into the ground. You, know, you can't wrap yourself in a plastic bubble, but uh, I firmly believe that if I can help you get, get go from standing, get, get down to the ground and back up again many, many different ways, which is one of the biggest things I teach in my workshop, is uh, it's going to help you get more comfortable when your body's going to be aiming towards that ground through something that might happen to you because everybody's an athlete because you have to fight this force that affects us all no matter where you live on the planet and it's gravity and it's a relentless bitch it doesn't care anything about your history or your story it's always pushing on you so how you can control yourself against that force of gravity that's the kicker and to me you know that's all about stabilization and stability so my work is primarily based in helping somebody become more stable in their movement because I've chased mobility for a long long period of time and mobility punks your ass every single time so uh, I stopped doing that and then I went after uh stabilization so that's kind of what my book is about is showing somebody how to make themselves uh more stable because when you're more stable then that's how you can generate power oh yeah i mean generate strength our industry uh we love the word mobility (laughs) we we love this stuff but my my selfish question for you you know it may seem a little bit stereotypical to ask a chiropractor this question (laughs) you never know what you're gonna get with me man but you know when you look at like the general education that you know a physical therapist gets as opposed to a chiropractor. You know, what what advantages do you think that getting that DC behind your name gave you into the movement field that you're currently in? You mean in relationship to differently from a PT? Just uh, in general, everything. Because a lot of, uh, you know, the big misconception is PTs are the movement guys and chiros are the structural guys, right? But it's not that way anymore. And I see that many of the top practitioners, rehab and performance practitioners in the world, no matter what kind of credential line that they have, what kind of education background and licenses that they have, they're all treating in a very similar way. But I'm always interested in the background of what brought you there. I mean, you touched upon it. You're sitting there. uh 
seeing patients on the table and everyone had to get off the table and start moving to get better. But, you know, where did you take it to the point where you just started focusing in 100 percent on what you're doing now and, you know, the things like the rail system and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest with you. I I don't think anybody when they're in school uh, is really taught how to look at movement well. I mean, it's better than it used to be. But I know every single every single discipline I come across, whether DC or PT or anything, uh, if you want to learn about movement, you got to do that shit on your own. I mean, when you yeah. get out, you got to kind of come to that uh, innately uh, yourself. Because I have a lot of people in each discipline. I go out, and then <sighs> there's this thing called the curse of knowledge, right? Where we think everybody <laughs> knows what we know. Yeah. And, and I get out there, and I'm standing up there, and I'm going over the joint by joint theory, right? Of how joints mobile and stable, and you know stuff that I like, blah blah blah. I kind of take it for granted now. And, and then the stuff about movement patterns. And then I say to people, "Who's heard of this?" And I'm in a room with 300 people. Two people raise their hand up. <laughs> So, you know, it helped me become a better teacher because you got to remember that there's a lot of people that haven't seen. It's always new to somebody who doesn't know it yet. And I think it's one of my biggest problems that I have in the health and fitness industry is that when you put out information, somebody already knows it says, well, big deal. Whoop. I already know that. And I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck if you know it. Like I'm trying to get across to the people who don't know it, like some of the basics and some of the fundamentals. And plus, when you get off of your arrogant ass and then you realize that you can't hear that enough. Because you may hear it in a different way or a different perspective because if you've truly been growing as a person and what you love to do, when you hear it today, it's going to be different when you hear it a year from now because you're going to take something different from it, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's a great I, point. I, you know, I, I came into uh, – because that, that's when people say to me, it's like, you know, I, I think I want to put something out and do it. Because, but, you know, what do I have to say? I mean, people may have seen this stuff before. I'm like, dude, first of all, what's different about it is you. You're going to bring yourself to what you're teaching. And that is priceless. You can't duplicate that. But there's people outside there who haven't heard. And we're like, oh, dude, I already know I got a foam roll my calf if something bothers me. Well, I do, a lot of people have no idea what that is. And, <laughs> and you can't take that for granted and just put yourself out there because – a lot of people don't because of that very fact. But honestly, I got into movement on my own first. So I've told this story many times that you know, I was jacked up and I got hurt a lot because I was a traditional bodybuilder and, and I loved it. And it helped me become strong. It helped me become uh, mentally tough and taught me dedication and commitment and resilience and, and so, uh, confidence in, in my in belief in myself. But I got into that world, you know, and I was just pushing weight and I, I was looking great. Don't get me wrong. It was awesome. But I was getting hurt and, and I really couldn't move that well. And, and I herniated a disc in my lower back uh, a third time when I was a chiropractor and I could barely move for like two months and I thought I was going to have to get surgery. And the only reason I came back is because I began to investigate something outside of passive care. Yeah. Uh, I got laser therapy, which is a big thing that I do now was helpful, but I looked, I got into movement and I started to get into movement actually before Greg Cook came along. I ordered this book called Core Performance, right? By Mark <laughs> Vestegen. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the time, nobody had heard of prehab or rehab or, you know, foam rollers or band, you know, uh, straps and stuff like that. And I was like, man, that's a really cool book. I think maybe I'm going to try that. So I stopped bodybuilding. And I just did this program for three months straight. 
And I couldn't believe how much better I felt. It was absolutely phenomenal. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is it. You know, m movement in a different way. I've never done it before. And I started to implement some of those programs with with my people that were in pain, and they began to respond as well. And then how it manifested to the next level is I've got to learn more about movement, man. I mean, this is it. This this yeah. lit my fire, which hadn't been lit in a long time. And I credit Amazon for changing the course of my life. So <laughs> I, I was on Amazon, right? And you know how you click up a book that you've purchased and they say, if you like this, you might like yeah, these. Yeah. Well, that's how I came across Gray Cook's first book, Athletic Body and Balance. And then when I ordered that, Everything completely changed from that standpoint, and then that's how we became friends from there because I just called him after I read that book and began to introduce the, the stuff into my uh, program. And then I come full circle, which is, is really awesome for me, is that you know the Stop Chasing Pain name came from uh, when I went to the very first SFMA workshop many, many years ago uh, when it first launched, and those three words showed up on a white slide, and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> and then, um, you know, being friends with him and then getting out there and wanting to share that that passion that I have for this because it helped me first. And then I know that it helped other people when I when I began to uh, implement it. And then the primal change came about because I just added something on myself to things. So when I teach people this, I tell them, listen, I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to go back and say, do I have to do it this way and be cookie cutter like me? I want you to be you. I want you to take some of these principles and then add yourself to it. Because if you don't, that means I've failed as a teacher, in, in my opinion. So now with my book, uh, which is very um, touching for me, is that these years that I've been working towards and helping myself and helping others, when my book comes out, uh, Gray Cook is going to be writing my forward. So that's wow. yeah. a that's a testament to anybody listening that, one, uh, if you want to go out and make a difference in the world, just fucking do it. Well, I think that's the difference between uh, being coached and being mentored, right? <laughs> you know, a coach will tell you what to do and they just expect you to do it and have success with it. That's fine. But a mentor is going to cultivate you, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, and have you take it a step further than what they took ultimately if you know if you're a great mentoree and that's the ultimate you know 2003 right is when that book came out from cook and yeah it's yeah i mean it's man, a while shit. ago yeah, that, he, i mean he's put out a little later. bit of stuff since then <laughs> man yeah. 15 years later you know you're going to come full circle with that you know that just goes to show that you know nothing's an overnight success there's a lot of hard work, dedication, blood, sweat, and tears that go into, you know, the best thinkers like yourself in the industry that are really just challenging the status quo of an entire medical system, an entire fitness industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I never stop learning. That's the mantra oh, yeah. uh, that I have and, and many of the greats that are out there. I mean, Gray Cook still puts stuff out all the time and he's still continually learning. And what's cool is, you know, he shares that information and you have to come from a, a certain place inside of yourself, um, and I call it the, the world of abundance, right? Like uh, share what you know and, and put it out there and don't be afraid that, ooh, you know, somebody's going to take my stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to be – you've got to give uh, to get. And yeah. there's some people who come from a perspective of uh, lack, 
like that there's not enough out there. And, you know, and, and I like to get like metaphysical in a way, but I really believe in that law of attraction, law of abundance, that if you think a certain way, uh, you'll probably get the way you're thinking. <laughs> it, it, it sort of works out like that, right? And uh, you might not, here's the, here's the kicker. You might not get what you want, but Think about the person that you've become along that journey because anybody who sets goals realizes it's not the attainment of the goal that's the special part. It's the journey along that path to get to the goal. And you may not get there, but dude, I mean, think about how much more of a good time or the, the kindness that you share or the lives that you can change along the way as opposed to not attempting it or having a negative attitude because people say, oh, you know, your positive mental attitude bullshit. That really doesn't get you anything. I'm like, it might not. You know what? But I'm not going to be miserable along my journey because if I think the other way, the negative way, there's no chance in hell I'm going to get it. But if I think the other way and I've got 1% chance, well, dude, that's the – because I put a slide up when I teach that there's two paths to choose from. One on the left is the same old shit. The one on the right is the crazy new shit. I'm going to be down the crazy shit path on the right. You go your way. See you later. I'm going to have more fun down on my path. Man, that, that's really powerful. And I think that's a good way to end it, too, because, you know, it's important to understand that everyone's going to have a unique path. You know, for coaches and therapists listening, you know, you're not all going to be uh, the person that you aspire to be. But somewhere along the lines, if you keep on pushing forward and trying to innovate, you continue to work hard, you continue to educate yourself, you're going to have an expertise that is unbelievably diverse and you're going to have something unique to offer somebody else, whether it be your client, whether it be hundreds of thousands of readers and articles, or you're traveling the world like Perry's doing right now and teaching seminars. So, you know, keep on pushing forward. You always have something to offer because you yourself are unique. But Perry, where yeah. where can people find more from you? Your website? Uh, where can we check out dates of your speaking engagements? All that stuff. Oh, cool, brother. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, I'm I'm pretty easy to find, man. If you uh, go to the internet and you can just type in "stop chasing pain," uh, a lot of stuff will show up that'll that'll keep you busy and hopefully all the good stuff is at the top um and that you'll get my website stopchasingpain.com which i'm happy to say just got redone and relaunched nice. and you see um a list of all my upcoming workshops that i have i'm traveling outside of the u.s quite a bit which is nice and then uh, you can also see information about hosting a workshop if you would like and then i have um free sections on there that people can go into and also link directly to my social media stuff and the podcast of Stop Chasing Pain that we're going to hang up and I'm going to interview you on next. Right on. Um, I've got like 126 free episodes up there full of you know, brain candy that I call it. And then I just have the GoPro membership, which I'm happy to say it's a it's a membership option that people can join up and then it gives you access to uh, the back end of things that I just don't normally put out there. It's like special secret sauce stuff um, that you can get to um and that's pretty much the easiest way that you can reach out to me and feel free to contact information there uh goes directly to me or to my assistant and that's pretty much it man 
guys go and get over at stopchasingpain.com it's a beautiful new website uh, all his information's over there you know dr perry is one of the best in the industry if you have a weekend and you're looking for continuing education, he's going to keep you busy. So head over yeah. there, <laughs> hit the podcast up, hit the articles up, and get your ass to a workshop if you're if you're in the area. All right, Perry, uh, we're going to hang up. We're going to do this again, and I appreciate you coming on. This has been awesome, man. Oh, I had a great time, brother. Thanks again for having me on anytime. You got it, man. Another great episode of Strength Doc Podcast. I thank my guest, Dr. Perry Nicholson, for joining me today. And guys, head over to iTunes, hit us up with a five-star review, as this keeps on bringing the best names in the fitness industry to our show. Guys, we have a lot of amazing people coming up in the next couple episodes, so stay tuned and make sure to subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, and check us out over at updocmedia.com. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. John Russin with the Strength Doc Podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media. Music.